Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Oliver Martin in motion to the far side. Snap back. Adrian wants to throw. Being rushed. Steps up in the pocket and eludes a man to the 10, to the 5, to the 1. Dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. What an individual effort by Adrian Martinez. Scrambling through bodies, arms, diving for the end zone. And the Huskers now lead it 13-0. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Wednesday night, Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. We've got a big show lined up for you tonight. The head football coach is going to stop by for a few minutes later on this hour. Lots to talk about with him. There's been a lot that has happened. Today, what's today? It's the 20th of January. Played their last game on the 18th of December. So, yep, just a little over a month. Some say play, but there has been a lot that has taken place in the program. So, we'll get into a bunch of things with the head coach here later in the hour. Kent Pavelka returned our call, so he's he's agreed to make an appearance tonight. So, we'll have KP on up in hour number two. We'll go beyond the headlines in that hour. Buy, sell, back for a Wednesday night edition tonight. And, Ben, you know how I like to give Austin little projects uh, I gave him a project to kind of compile all the early entries out of the Big Ten Conference for the NFL Draft. Yesterday was the deadline. That's why you saw our Tuesday. Yeah. Was it yesterday or two days ago? I think it might have been two. Was it yesterday? All the Ohio State guys did it, or was that Monday? Might have been Monday. Well, it was, they had a couple more trickle out yesterday. It was okay. mostly earlier in the week. Okay. Well, th- that's why you saw a rush of – Justin Fields, Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade, all those guys from Ohio State. So it, the deadline's coming and gone. So if you didn't put your name in, you can't get in now. You got, you're got in, and you can't go back, which I think College Football needs to look at, but that's a different story. But Austin has been working hard on putting together an early entry list. Uh, so we'll go over that in, in the third hour of the program after. Bye. So I wanted to distract Austin Ben because I know he's he's heartbroken tonight. Uh, with the announcement of Philip Rivers' retirement as the Colts quarterback. So I, I needed I wanted to kind of just shake it up for him so that he could get his mind off that. Yeah, he's reeling. You know, he had uh you know uh an interesting season with Philip Rivers to say the least. Uh very up, very down, but um at least it wasn't a overly long marriage. This was almost <laughs> like a uh like a like a trip to Vegas type type deal, um, and you know they'll move on and and go bring somebody else in, which we don't know who that's going to be yet for for next season. So it was weird seeing him as a Colt, but um, you know for as much grief as I've given that guy uh, on this show for the years that that he was on it, um, you know I know he was a, a good quarterback and a good teammate and somebody who poured everything he had into the sport. Um, you know, so, you know, tip of the cap to him for that and tip of the cap for him to being the uh, the blunt of a lot of jokes that I that I give him. He gave me a lot of entertainment over the over the last few years. <laughs> you you have never been a fan and I haven't. Either. I mean, he's a hard guy to kind of pull for because he seems kind of whiny all the time on the field. But I think he's really well respected. In fact, former Husker and Dominican Sue uh, tweeted out less than an hour ago a picture of him with Philip Rivers. Said, "Great competitor, love playing against him, and an even better guy off the field. Enjoy retirement, 
hashtag Phil Philip Rivers. So there's Indomitian sounding off on him. Earlier today, J.J. Uh, Watt tweeted out a thing. This is a pretty good thing. He said, I'll never forget lining up for a play, and Phil pointed to one of our linebackers and telling him he was lined up wrong based off the blitz we were about to run, and he was 100% correct about it. Ha ha. So I, he, I think he had the respect of the guys. And, and, and hey, guys know a competitor when they see him, and Phillip Rivers was a competitor. I mean, he, he wanted to win. It bothered him when he didn't win, and uh, so I think that's what gained him respect. I mean, there and J.J. Watt and Indomitian Sue, two guys who were not never teammates with Phillip Rivers, but shooting their respect at him. There's we're really hitting kind of a changing of the guard, aren't we, in the NFL with these quarterbacks? And we, you know, we we, we went through our over forty list last night and top ten Tuesday, but you've got the Breeze, the Brady, the Rodgers, the Rivers that are exiting the game or soon will be exiting the game. But then you have this exciting young core coming up with some of them that will be featured this weekend in Mahomes and Allen, but Watson would be in there, Jackson would be in there. It's kind of an exciting time for the NFL because they have some replacements now for these longtime quarterback superstars. Yeah, well, you and you, you know, you lost the Mannings not that long ago. Yeah. And, you know, Big Ben's on his last leg too. So, you know, it's – these are guys that have been around forever, um, and, and you're right. It's you know it reminds me a little bit of of golf. You know there there were so many good superstars in golf for a long time in the '90s and the early 2000s. And Tiger's getting older, Phil's getting older. We're starting to see some of these guys that are really uh, out of their prime, and then you're seeing the the young guns kind of take over with you know the Rory's and um, Justin JT. Thomas and Jordan yeah. Spieth and you know. Ricky Fowler, some of these young guns kind of take over. And that's almost what it's like right now Mm -hmm. in the NFL with quarterback because, you know, with even the guys playing this weekend with Mahomes and and Josh Allen, we saw Lamar Jackson play last week, Deshaun Watson. um, I mean, Joe Burrow, even as a rookie this this last year, there there were a lot of them that kind of stepped in. And Kyler Murray, another one who kind of broke out in Arizona, you know, a lot of these guys have just kind of stepped up and, um, you know, ma- made the quarterback position a lot of fun to watch when it was for so many years. But th- these guys are getting older. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting up there in age too. I mean, Packers draft a quarterback early in uh, in their draft last year as a replacement. I think it was kind of a reality check for all of us too. I think and Russell Wilson's north of thirty. So you know, right. guys that guys that are, are that have been you know running the show for a long time are are kind of turning things over to these these young guns and what's interesting is you think about the prototypes of a breeze and a rivers and a and a Peyton Manning and a Big Ben you know Big Ben was always elusive I wouldn't qualify him as a great runner but now look at all all the guys that are active in the NFL right now most of them are are run running quarterbacks guys that can that can move around with their legs I mean even Josh Allen right he's got a monster arm but he kills you with his legs as much as anybody so just the 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 I don't know the emergence and the transcendence of what what the quarterbacks even look like from from back in the day to where we're at right now has changed quite a bit. You mentioned Russell Wilson; he's kind of the one guy that's kind of in between the older group of Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Big Ben, to the younger crop that we rattle off all the names of Murray and Watson and Mahomes and Allen. There really, there's not a lot in between, right? I mean, but Wilson's is in between. You mentioned he's north of thirty, so he's not young anymore. But there's, there's a, 
there was an era there that just didn't produce really good quarterbacks. But the league, I'm sure, is grateful that they have this young core now that's pretty exciting to watch. You mentioned Mahomes, too. He did practice today for the Chiefs. I don't know how much. They just came out and said, yep, he went to the workouts. I saw, I think maybe it was Ian, who we're hoping to get on tomorrow night since we don't have a Friday show. I think I saw Ian tweet that apparently he did pretty much everything at practice today, which for Chiefs fans, that's good news as those AFC and NFC championship games are coming up on on Sunday. One will be in Green Bay where there could be some snow flying, and one will be in Kansas City where there's a chance of rain for those games on Sunday. Head football coach coming up a little bit. Man, Ben, there's just – it's amazing how much has happened – from December 18th when they walked off the field with Rutgers to today uh, with guys now getting back on campus and we saw the video that they put out on Twitter last night with a lot of the new ones checking into their dorms and doing those type of things. Uh, this has been a glut of news, right? I mean, it's almost been a daily thing with somebody saying they're coming back or somebody saying they're leaving or a transfer coming in or a transfer going out. It's, it's, it's been the most remarkable offseason I can remember for college football of right, right when the season shuts down. Yeah, I think about some of the other places around the country, too, that are going through that. Purdue has had a ton of turnover. Northwestern's had a ton of turnover. Ohio State's had a ton of turnover. And then you're going to broaden things up nationally. Tennessee has been an absolute debacle since the end of the season. Fire Jeremy Pruitt. They had four entries into the transfer portal today alone, including their leading tackler, Henry Toa Toa. So, like, this isn't just a Nebraska thing. There are a lot of moving parts around the world of college football right now. Nebraska certainly not immune to that. And it's been weird. It's been a weird offseason. It's given us plenty to think and talk about on the show. But, you know, I think overall uh, we're all kind of ready for things to settle down. I'm I'm still not sure that we're done. I still think there's going to be a couple of more uh, guys that leave, and there's probably going to be a couple of more guys that come in too. So, it's still going to be a moving target. I bet it's that way all the way through spring practice, you know, but hopefully by this summer you can start to, you know, tie your laces of, of who's on your on your roster and, and who you're going to battle with here in the fall. Going to need those summer magazines, right, to get caught up yeah. on some of these movies. It's kind of like when you get prepared to do a, a fantasy football draft of the NFL, you better go get a magazine. You're like, oh, I didn't know he was with that team now. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I missed how that guy is no longer in Arizona. He's in Seattle or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, it's – and it's – I think I think that's going to be the way it is moving forward. Now, maybe you don't have 1,200 guys' names in the transfer portal in the coming years, but I – Bet it's close. Now, I think the, the pandemic certainly escalated that, but I think it's going to be a pretty high number most years. Uh, a lot of guys just always think that the grass is greener on the other side, and sometimes it is. Most times it's not, so it's going to be a wild thing. But looking forward to, to chatting with the, the head coach here in a couple minutes. No news on Husker basketball. They're still shut down after the Sunday announcement that they were still on pause with team activities, having those 12 Tier 1 uh, people positives, uh, testing positive for the COVID virus. Uh, I, I made some. I, I talked to some folks today. I said, well, "What? How many are do you have in your tier one?" And it's right around thirty. They're right around thirty guys that are in that tier one group for Husker basketball. That's the players, the coaches, the support staff. So you'd be your trainers and your managers and your video guys and. Um, equipment managers, those type of things. The, the, those are the ones that are around the, the team an awful lot. So it's 30. So when you got 12 out of 30, Ben, oh, my goodness, 
That is a really, really high number. They're not scheduled to play again until the 30th of January. That's the Penn State game. As they've already canceled uh, tonight's game, would have been Minnesota, and then a, a Sunday game with Iowa. They had all of next week off. And I think they were initially thinking, well, maybe we can make up that Purdue game that we missed back in early January. Well, that, that's out the window now. So the next one on the schedule is is a week from Saturday, the 30th. Maybe? Maybe they're back by then. I, I would I would lean maybe more to the, the game in early February for the, from the time they get back. It's got to be frustrating for them. Kids want to play. They come to college. They come to college in a lot of cases just to play basketball, and to not be able to do that is almost like taking air away from them to breathe. They've been, you know, kind of going through this since June. I mean, that's that's when they've been, you know, isolating and, and reporting and working out and all that. So it's been a long season already. Uh, then you couple that with the lack of success they've had on the floor, plus the uh, you know the amount of um, you know, diligence that's gone into this every single day. It's It's got to wear on them. And, you know, all of those factors mixed in with the with the lack of winning and the, 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 the sense of new with all, with all the new new players playing together. Just, yeah, it's, it's a tough time for them right now. And I can't imagine, you know, those players are having very much fun right now, um, you know, being isolated and, you know, having to to not be able to to pick up a ball and go play, it's it's got to be really tough considering everything they had to do to even get the season here. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. When we come back, the head football coach will join us. We'll get his take on what's been happening over the last 30-plus days for Husker football a lot. A lot to cover. We'll come back with a coach next. We're back, Sports Highly, on a Wednesday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you, and delighted to be joined now by the head football coach of the Cornhuskers, Scott Frost. A little, almost a month ago, when you wrapped the season up at Rutgers with a really good performance, uh, have you had some downtime? Have you been able to recharge the batteries a little bit over the last 30 days? We did, you know, uh, kind of... You know, would have, would have loved to have played in a bowl game, but everyone was tired, and our kids hadn't been home, some of them, for nine months. Um, so we gave them uh, about four-plus four weeks off. Um, I went deer hunting with some buddies right away, and then I think all of us were able to spend some good family time. Uh, and uh, My wife and I actually went on, on vacation and got somewhere warm and sunny for four or five days, and um, I think everybody needed that a little bit, and all the coaches did the same thing. Was 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 it contentious going through the talking to the team about postseason or what? What was that like? I, I'm sure it was. There was probably some emotions in the room when you guys got together as a team after a really good performance at Rutgers. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the team, probably most of the team, uh, wanted to go on and play, uh, but. Um, this is kind of the one time because of how weird the year was that I, I wanted the team to help decide. And, uh, you know, we also didn't want to go into a bowl game unless everybody was committed and gung-ho and excited about going. And uh, it was just such a long, hard year that we couldn't uh, get a unanimous decision in, from that standpoint. And, um, you know, we, we went through a lot of things last year, Greg, that I think the team needed to go through for growth. and. Uh, I'm glad we got that opportunity to do that this year, and I think it'll uh, lead to better things next year and beyond. 
So many things have been were different about 2020 that carry over to this year, and that was the one was that everybody's been given an extra year of eligibility. How did you handle it with the seniors? Did you meet with them individually? What, how did that process go? And you've got a, a fair number of them that are coming back next year. Yeah, we've been talking about that with them for a long time. Really, it's the whole season unplayed. And even back before the season started, the guys were worried about not having any season and having the opportunity to come back and play again. And, um, you know, I met with each of them several times and met with them as a group and met with them at, in, as individuals at the end. And uh, we invited all of them uh, to come back. And, you know, depending on their circumstances, uh, um, some guys were on the fence. Some guys were definitely leaving. Some guys were definitely coming back. And I really appreciate the guys that are come back to spend another year with us. I think it's going to help us as a football team. And uh, I think they're going to give us good play on the field and good leadership. We've been kind of joking on our show that Eric Chenander's probably been throwing kind of a daily party. I mean, he got so many of those guys back on defense from Stilly to Dolman to Honus to uh, the two safeties. Uh, that group's going to be a little bit longer in the beard, aren't they, than they've been since you've been at, in, in Lincoln? Yeah, you know, I, I've heard coaches say one of the best ways to win is to get old and to stay old. And uh, we, we, we've really had a young team in a lot of ways uh, for a few years here. Um, getting those guys back and just the experience of, of playing in this league and uh, the talent that they have is going to be huge for us. It's going to give us time to continue to work with the young guys and get them ready to go. And um, we're thrilled to have those guys back. And they, they kind of all got together. And I think the group that are coming back all kind of made that commitment to each other. And it's going to make us a better football team. You, uh, you're always going to have attrition, and you weren't immune to that over the last month. You've had some guys who've decided to leave the program. A couple of offensive linemen, Wandale Robinson would be the biggest name of that group. That's part of it. It's probably never an easy process. But your thoughts about some guys that have decided to go elsewhere? Well, anybody that's been in the program, we we appreciate them and the, the contribution. And um, honestly, Greg, that's just kind of the – the world we're living in now, uh, particularly this year where kids are expecting to become immediately eligible with a one-time transfer exception. Um, that's just kind of what we're going to have to deal with. And um, uh, each one of those was kind of different circumstances and different reasons. And um, we're, we're certainly not alone. Uh, you know, there's teams in our league that had really good years that have lost uh, nine or ten guys and guys all over the country jumping in the portal. and. Um, you know, some probably for good reasons and some probably for not. Um, I think a lot of times when, when you decide to transfer, you sometimes think the grass is greener somewhere else and it doesn't turn out to be. But, you know, it, we expect this and uh, I think the best thing you can do is, is be light on your feet and um, try to make adjustments and manage your roster uh, when you're expecting some of these things to happen or suspicious that they're going to happen. And uh, really excited about, you know, how this has worked out for us and ability to bring a, a running back in to, to give us some experience in that room and a, a receiver in to give us some uh, experience in that room. And um, definitely when you, you have some subtractions, you got to make additions too. Let's talk about those two guys. Marquis Step is the running back you alluded to from USC, and then Samori Toure from Montana, who's had an excellent FCS career. Um, what did you like about those two? What, what stood out, and why did you want them to be a part of the program? 
Well, starting with Marquise, you know, he was highly uh, thought of coming out of high school and uh, went out west and kind of the same thing I did. Um, got recruited to go out west and, um, you know, we, we're, we were going to be young in the in the backfield. I, I got a ton of confidence in those young guys that we have in that room and, and where they're going to be. Um, but just to get a, another veteran player in that group and uh, maybe buy some time for the young guys to, to become who we know they're going to become, I think is going to help. Um, Marquise is a, is a big and fast kid, and we're going to try to get him up to speed as fast as we can and let him compete for that job. Um, kind of same thing in the receiver room. Um, got some really good young players, uh, some veterans coming back that uh, we're counting on giving us uh, more help next year and uh, we we just thought with with the position group we had there that somebody experienced and somebody that's that's caught a lot of balls at the college level would help us you know I've had personally some real good success with with guys like him uh, Vernon Adams who transferred to us at Oregon and had a great year as a quarterback uh, so when you get the right ones of these guys I think it can really help your football team and uh, Samari's a guy that he was an All-American at that level and uh, has a ton of catches and a ton of yards and a ton of experience and uh, looking forward to, to watching those two guys on the field. Coach, on defense, you've added Chris Kolarovic from Northern Iowa, who was a preseason FCS All-American at that spot. Northern Iowa did not play ball in the fall. Uh, he committed to Nebraska a couple of months ago. What what stood out to you and, and what, what, what excites you about Chris joining the program? Well, we got three coaches on our staff that, that coach for Coach Farley at Northern Iowa, and all of us think a lot of that place and the guys over there. Um, you know, they called us and told us he was leaving and that he was their best player on defense, and they didn't want to see him go, but would like to see him with with the right people. And um, you know, we we had Will Honus, who was going to be a senior, and Colin who was going to be a senior and thought we were losing them and were a little worried about the depth at that spot and the youth at that spot and thought we could use a, another guy with experience and, and we're lucky enough to get Will back. But uh, Chris is, is a guy that I think is a, a really good athlete and has made a lot of tackles at the college level and uh, kind of like the other two, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Again, busy with head football coach Scott Frost here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Saw a uh, video posted last night on Twitter of some of your new players arriving on campus, moving into the dorms. Uh, how many guys are? How many guys from this class are are going to be here for the spring semester for you? Um, we got. 13 guys that are new on campus right now and uh, I just met with the whole group and, and talked to them about what we're going to have them doing. They're going to be really busy for about three weeks. Uh, we got we to gotta check a lot of boxes and, and get them accustomed to college life and um, academics and everything that goes along with it. But uh, getting a, a chance to work with those guys all, all winter in the conditioning and, and giving them a spring ball before their freshman year is, is certainly going to help speed up their progress. Was this the first time you face-to-face -face met some of these guys? It is, and, and I don't know if that's ever happened before, uh, but I'm sure it's happened all over college football. Uh, the majority of them I uh, had a chance to meet a while back in recruiting when we, we still were able to go out on the road and have kids on campus. Um, but I, I was trying to, to think, and I think there were four or five of them that I'd never been in the same room with before. Uh, so you really, as a head coach, seeing some guys that you're 
uh, new to your program for the first time, and it, it's an unusual um, circumstance, uh, but really impressed with the group so far and um, kind of their attitude and, and, and just what they look like physically walking in the building. Uh, they're going to they're gonna add to our team pretty quick. Nice. Uh, one other thing that happened here in the last month is your special teams analyst has left the program. What are you thinking as you move forward and with, with the, as it relates to special teams for this program? Well, I want to get the right guy in here that's going to help us uh, turn the page on, on special teams and improve there. Um, I think if we if we were better on special teams, I think I probably would have won a few more games around here the last year or two. And um, looking forward to trying to identify the right guy to come in and, and really get our guys bought into special teams and improve in some of the areas that we haven't haven't been good enough. And I'm really thankful to Rutt for what he came in and, and helped us with. Uh, and wish him nothing but the best. And, and we're in the process right now of, of trying to find the right guy to come in and, and pick up where he left off. All right, so you got guys arriving on campus. I know school begins on Monday. Is that when winter conditioning gets cranked up for you? And, and have you looked even further into the spring when you might launch spring football practice? We have, and, and we've kind of adjusted some things based on everything that happened last year. Uh, the semester has changed on campus. We actually brought our, uh, our players back this past weekend um, for campus rules. Uh, they've got to go through a, a quarantine period, and we got to get them tested. And uh, we wanted to make sure everything was, it was handled the right way and, and safety was our, our primary concern. So we've kind of received the majority of the team back on campus now. And, uh, they'll get started officially with winter conditioning uh, on Monday. Uh, for spring ball, we're going to move it back a little bit. Uh, we're not sure if we're going to have spring recruiting or not, but I want to get a full winter conditioning in before we start spring ball. Uh, in order to do that, we needed to delay the start of spring practice a little. So we'll be the five, five weeks leading up to the end of April and planning on having our spring game on May 1st. Fantastic. Well, uh, I know it's probably exciting to get the guys back on campus. I'm sure they're they're happy to see each other after being gone for a month or so. You, it was a, it was a total team effort to fight your way through that season with all the daily testing. And I, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to the head basketball coach, but but they're having a rough issue with it right now. This this virus is is no laughing matter. And I, you, I'm sure grateful to your kids for being disciplined and the medical people for keeping your team healthy that you got eight games in during the fall. Yeah, uh, you know, we were lucky, um, I think, handled some things well in the fall that, that prevented us from having major issues with COVID. You know, really feel for Fred right now as he's trying to build that team and then having this setback and uh, mostly we're concerned for him and, and his health. Uh, you know, I was texting back and forth with him a couple of days ago and it sounds like he's doing well, but uh, these are just tough times, and, and hopefully we'll we'll turn the page on this and, and have uh, more normalcy very soon. But uh, certainly pulling for him and his team and hope they can finish strong. Very good. All right, we'll let you go with this. The, uh, the, the traditional signing day is coming up here in about two weeks. Do you anticipate signing anybody else in that February period? Possibly. Uh, there's still uh, you know a couple kids out there, high school kids, that, that we're trying to recruit. Uh, we got a couple of spots left, so we want to use them the right way. Um, you know, I, I suspect there'll be some more kids available too uh, after signing day, uh, either in the transfer portal. Um, you know, we're we're trying to look ahead too, and and normally uh, 
junior colleges, Greg, have had their seasons already, and a lot of those are kids are getting recruited. Well, most of those schools are playing in the spring, and there's not a lot of schools with many spots left. So we'll, we'll keep our eye out for the best available, and um, we got a couple spots in our pocket to, to try to pick a couple people up that can help the team. Sounds good. Coach, we appreciate the update. Uh, take care of that team, and, and I know it's an important phase of the year, that winter conditions, when you really can bulk up your team, and uh, this is when you start winning football games, even though it's in the dead of winter. So uh, have a good couple weeks. I appreciate it. Looking forward to being back around the guys. Good stuff from Nebraska head football coach Scott Frost in our last hour. Appreciate him giving us part of his evening here tonight. Good to catch up with a bit of a while since we've heard from the head coach. Coming up here in just a second, Ken Pavelka, the voice of Nebraska men's basketball, will join us, give us an update on uh, the men's hoops side of things. From his perspective, been a while since we've chatted with KP, what he's been up to since uh, this little break in the action. We'll go beyond the headlines here in hour number two as well. Uh, coming up in the hour number three, we'll play some buy-sell. So a lot to get to over the next two hours, of course, Welcome you to call into the show at 531-546-86. Let's just uh, get right into it with uh, our next guest. Happy to be joined now by Ken Pavelka. KP, it's been an, uh, an interesting uh, last couple of weeks, I guess, from your perspective, you know, what, with this break and with everything that's going on. I, you know, first of all, how you doing? Second of all, you know, when you look at the this team right now and, and kind of put in perspective, um, just kind of your thoughts with uh, with the break and, you know, how the team's reacted and, uh, you know, kind of where you're at. Well, you know, I, I wondered all along if, if uh, the Huskers would be touched by this. And, you know, as long as it doesn't, as long as it didn't, you know, you kind of have this false sense of, uh, of uh, that, you know, that things are going well. Why shouldn't they continue to? But I, I think, you know, the fact that the, so many of the of the uh, tier one people in the program were were hit by this is just, you know, commentary on on what we're dealing with. You just you just never know. And uh, so. You know, just taking it day to day and hoping that everybody gets well and that protocols are are met and and followed through on, and that they can get back to playing basketball. Maybe uh, on the thirty first, I guess it would be would be probably the earliest they could play. Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably the target, and you think even that's maybe fifty fifty as we look at it right now. I guess I guess uh, everybody's thought was who had it, and and it was scary to, to read Coach Hoiberg's uh, statement that he put out last Sunday because of his health issues and, and things that he's yeah. gone through in the past. I mean, I, that's scary stuff. It's great to hear that. I mean, it sounds like he's he's doing well and and, and suffering symptoms, but symptoms that he's recovering from. Yeah, you know, I haven't talked to anybody for a few days. I did talk to Doc right after all this happened, and and he corroborated the fact that Coach, as he said publicly, was, you know, hit by a little bit early, didn't feel so hot, but was getting along better. Hopefully he's continued to progress. Um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's ironic, isn't it, that, I mean, college basketball takes all these precautions and by and large, these young people uh, aren't all that affected by it when they when they get it. You know that some of them, I think, have a little bit of a a reaction. But um, 
you know, they're they're doing what they have to do. And I, you know, I think it's a, it's you got to give credit to the master planners of college basketball that they could put something together like they have and be as successful, you know, here on the 20th day of January, as successful as they have been. It's it's been pretty remarkable that the whole thing hasn't been shut down, in my opinion. Right, and you know, we were kind of talking about this on the show too, just the fact that we're almost through an NFL season and, and we got through an entire college football season. It's pretty incredible to think, even though it wasn't always the, the, the smoothest path to get there. This is a obvious unplanned break for the team, and you know, I'm sure a lot of reflect, number one, healing, but number two, reflecting on the season to this point and really what, what's been happening with the team. I, I guess with the, with, the, with the losing streak, particularly in the league, do you feel like this is a good time for the coaches to maybe sit back and evaluate what's happening, where they're falling short, how they're falling short, and what they need to do to maybe overcome those those things that are costing them games? Is, is this a good time, or is this is it kind of just whatever? Well, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a good time because I don't know what more they can do beyond what they're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. What it is, right? Um, uh, I'm sure they've taken advantage of the time and have done what you just suggested. But, you know, this is a team that, uh, number one, has been very competitive. I mean, you know, if you want me to analyze what's going on, yeah, that's, this is how I see it. I mean, they've been really competitive, uh, maybe not for 40 minutes a game, but in, in every game except Ohio State, really, every team they played knew they were in a, in a war, number one. Number two, um you know, this is a team that continues to try to come together under these odd circumstances. You know, he's got a lot of experience on this on this team, but these guys don't have experience together. And, uh, I mean, I think we can look up and down the rosters and the, the Big Ten and throughout college basketball and see that, you know, you, you, look at a, you look at a program like Wisconsin's, for example, just the antithesis of what Nebraska is in terms of these guys being together and the dividends that that pays. So, I mean, they're still trying to do that. Um, and this doesn't help. You know, I mean, if they get back on the 31st and play Penn State, by my calculations, they'll – maybe have one or two days of practice, you know, <laughs> since yeah. since all this happened. And not to mention, you know, what does that do to conditioning? I don't know what these guys can do or what they've been doing, but just think about it yourself. If you ever have gone to the gym in your life for, with any regularity, when you quit going for a week or two, uh, you feel it. So there's that. And then I think a couple of other things. I think that this, you know, this team is still looking for an alpha you know, a, 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 an alpha leader on the floor and a, and a leader just in spirit. And I think that, you know, we've looked up and down the roster. And to me, I thought we start, started to see evidence of maybe Trey McGowan's being that guy in the last couple mm-hmm. of games. But it's taken this long to kind of see that develop. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But, I, you know, I think that's, that's missing to some extent. And then, then the, just the obvious. This, you know, they they need a dead three shooter for, or two, because um, they've been inconsistent shooting it. And they need a couple couple of dudes inside, some bigs, you know, that to compete with what they've got to compete against. So, it is what it is. What it is, in my opinion. Yeah. 
And, and the minute you th- you thought you had some help with Derek Walker, something like this happened. So I think they're still maybe unsure of what they have, uh, particularly down in the post. Um, KP, when you look at, I've been asked this a ton. I'm sure you have as well. And you know, I know fans are getting restless and they're they're wanting wins, and maybe even some of them are starting to question whether you know, this is going to work. And, and it's not just all on Fred. It's not just all on basketball. I think it's kind of a cumulative effect just with Nebraska athletics the last few years. These fans wanting a winner and, and kind of the pessimistic side popping in their head. I guess when I'm asked the question of what's different from last year to this year, I, I guess my first response is you think about, you know, when we were in there for the film studies, and, and, you know, really what the coaches are, are harping on with a game plan, you obviously take away or, or you, you, your focal point goes to the, the, the best players on the other team. And I didn't really feel like last year Nebraska had a lot of guys on their team that you were overly scared of, guys that when other teams are watching, you go, yeah, we got to watch out for this guy. you got to watch out for this guy or this guy can do this. I mean, obviously Thor shot it well. Cam Mack ran, ran a decent point guard, but – you know, there really wasn't that many weapons. And I think that's that can't be said this year. I think there are guys that scare you. And, and that's when you look at last year to this year, do you see that as well? Or when you're when you're telling people that this team has improved, specifically in the talent regard, what's your response? No, I, I agree with everything you just said, um, uh, without without doubt. And, and I'll just go back to what I said a second ago. Um you know, if you want to compare this team with last year's, I mean, just the eye test will tell you if you've watched any basketball at all in your lifetime and uh, and the fact that they've been competitive. I mean, uh, you know, the, the teams that they've lost to uh, have, by and large, uh, walked away from the, their games with Nebraska and and breathed a huge sigh of relief, right? Um, so... Um, but I mean, I, you know, having said that, do they, does this team need more talent? Yes. Um, but this is year number two. And, uh, you know, you, you want to go back to big eight, bas- big eight football, look at Bill McCartney at Colorado. Look at, look at, uh, look at Kansas state, how long it took them to put things together in football. Look at, look at how long it took Pat Chambers to get anything done at Penn state. Of course they fired him, but, uh, for other reasons, but, um, you know, people get tired of hearing it takes time, but it just just does. And I said to to Jake four or five games ago, I don't really care if we win any more games. I, what I want to see is that the team is a competitive and getting better. And I see I see both of those as being the fact a fact. So uh, I'm good. You know, as long as I as long as I see them getting better, uh, you know, I'm I, I I've hung in there a while. I'll hang in there a little while longer, won't you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we all will. Now, I guess, I guess the the big follow up question to that is, will they? Will the team? Because they're the ones going through it. They're, I mean, it. Anytime you put on a jersey and you lose in something, it it affects you. And at what point does does that start to trickle into the effort, or does it? I guess is the big question. How how do you as a coach keep not only just the players motivated, but a new group of players motivated? It's kind of the same issue, I guess, that they ran into last year. But you know, with, with the coaches and, and keeping these guys willing to to go to war for forty minutes when they're out there on the floor, how do you do that? 
Well, I think that, first of all, it requires a certain kind of character individually and then collectively. And I think compared to last year, this team has it. And last year's team probably didn't. That's number one. And number two, I think that that it's obvious that, you know, these players not only respect um, what what Coach Hoiberg and all the coaches, uh, you know, where they're coming from and what they know and what they're being told and how they're being coached. And um, But, yeah, I mean, does it creep into your psyche that you, you just can't get over the hump? Of course. But I, I think it goes back to the character issue. I don't. I don't think this team's going to quit. I don't think you're going to see. Um, I don't think you're going to see that happen. And uh, uh, and I and I think it'll be obvious if it does. But I mean, we, yeah. we you know we we bit our tongues last year during the season. We could we could tell that there were some, you know, some some issues with guys, uh, the kind of the way they were playing and they carried themselves off the floor. Uh, now. I haven't been around this team at all, so I can't speak to the latter part of what I just said. But um, according to Coach Hoiberg, he just loves this group, you know, and because they because they they are all about the right things. And I don't know that candidly if he would have said that about last year's group, you know. How badly do you miss uh, Jake and I picking on you courtside, throwing rappers at you, and telling you you're on when maybe you weren't, or making yeah. fun of your cookie yeah. stash? You know all that other all that other business. He, I don't think you appreciated it at the time, but maybe you do now. No, let's look at it a different way. Let's let's look at it how much I appreciate the way we're fortunate enough to do the games now remotely. I mean, I could no longer, you know, I could no more show up at PBA in my underwear like I can do the games now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a casual deal. Uh, you know, it's radio for crying out loud. What's the difference? Right, but when you're courtside, it's a little bit different deal. You got to put a bow tie on and all that. So you got to you got to kiss time, babies. Next, you got you got to do all that stuff. Next time you you're listening, you, that'll this this will conjure a vivid picture in your mind that you'll hope you can get rid of. Well, I mean, I don't think any anything will trump the image of uh, Davison painting the picture for us of you in a speedo when you guys were in Hawaii a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody had to get ready for those broadcasts, right? Yeah, no kidding. That's for sure. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, KP, it was great to catch up with you. Glad to hear that you're doing well and staying safe. Um, hopefully you're you're back on the mic here before too long. Rumor has it that uh, that I that I might be uh, thrust into action at one point when, uh, when Muleheisen taps out. So, you know, prepare mentally oh, prepare yourself it. for what you're getting into. He's going to do his annual boys outing, is he? He hasn't, yeah. he hasn't told me that. So, well, that's that's well, the rumor good. mill floating around. So, we'll that'll be good. Know. Do we know when? Do we know no, when? I, because I I can't confirm might. or deny any details at this point. Well, I always look forward to that, man. <laughs> KP, great, great, great to hear from you, man. Glad to hear you're doing well, and uh, we'll hopefully hear from you real soon. I guess whenever this is over, hang in there. All right, buddy. Thanks. Beyond the headlines. 
That's right. Uh, Producer Austin and I have put our heads together and come up with uh, six of the very best, most intriguing, thought-provoking topics of the day, starting with uh, (laughs) what's been going down in Tennessee and an end to an ignoble era in the Jeremy Pruitt situation. Uh, The Dan Patrick Show uh, had a report out that Apparently, Tennessee staff were forking over cash to recruits in McDonald's bags when they came to campus. <laughs> University of Florida men's basketball social media had some fun with this yesterday when they tweeted out, quote, we're loving it after the Gators blew out the volunteers. For what it's worth, Tennessee, they're, they're forcefully, angrily denying the allegations, uh, at least according to 24-7 sports. But that said, what do you guys make of this particular tactic when it comes to recruiting? McDonald's bags. <laughs> I mean, I think we all kind of know that it happens, um, not even necessarily relative to just football. Like, we all know that dirty recruiting is out there and is a real thing. Um, you know, I guess we a lot, a lot of times we don't really hear actual details of it, so I think that's probably why it's a little shocking. You've got to get creative anymore, I feel, if, if that's the route you want to go. But there, there was a period of about two weeks where Tennessee was hauling in multiple four-star recruits, drawing interest of five stars. That, that was a period when Terrence Lewis, who ended up committing to Maryland, uh, was then committed to Tennessee. They had another four- or five-star defensive back from Miami that was uh, – he's still flip-flopping his mind, I think. But, um, you know, to see those guys kind of – you were wondering how and why they, they were getting it done. So – you know, to me, it was not shocking in the least to, to hear this come out. I'm not sure they were very creative with it. I mean, McDonald's bags, you can do better than that, can't you? I mean, <laughs> something. But and, and maybe McDonald's is a big supporter of Tennessee. They are a supporter here of the Huskers. But, um, yeah, class it up a little bit, right? I mean, <laughs> it's got cash. Do something a little bit more. I mean, yeah. uh, at least like yeah. a middle-class chain, like yeah. an Olive Garden. You get like a right. those clamshell styrofoam takeout boxes. I mean, right. Stuff that thing in there. I mean, you know, th- I, when I heard this, I, I hearkened back to the 30 for 30 about SMU football and how they mm-hmm. shut that down in the 80s and, you know, and everything's bigger in Texas anyway. But at that point in time, guys were saying that they'd wake up in the morning and there's a new car in their yeah. driveway. <laughs> and they're going, whoa, okay, uh, A&M really wants me or SMU really wants me. I mean, that's a Corvette sitting out there. And So come on, a McDonald's bag? Eh, seems kind of on the cheap. Tennessee's just taking Big Mac sack to a whole new level, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. Someone was sacked. Yes, you're right. Indeed. So, all right, we'll go from college football to MLB. Hi, how, how are we doing, guys? So last week, uh, MLB's vault account tweeted through a whole day while pretending it was Bryce Harper's debut back in April of 2012. It's the first and supposedly a series of these coming up. So if you guys could go back through history and live tweet any athlete's debut day, whose would it be? So I guess the question is, do you know what their career looks like afterwards, or is it just you're anticipating nope. this guy playing? You, you, think, you think this guy is going to be a – no doubt Hall of Famer someday, so you're there to, to live tweet it. It's LeBron James for me. I mean, that, that, you, you think back to how big he blew up when he played for St. Vincent, St. Mary. Uh, I mean, he, had, he was on the cover of SI. He, I mean, I remember my dad coming in and telling me we had to watch this high school game, um, you know, just because that's how big he got in, in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. 
and you know that was that was one of the most anticipated debuts I can remember Harper's was up there I watched that game with I think Josh and I sat and watched that game when he played against the Dodgers but yeah that was uh that was the, that's the pick for me I think LeBron and how anticipated we all were to watch him play yeah young phenoms you don't get many of those in the NFL as much as you do the NBA and Major League Baseball I mean Kobe was a pretty big thing when he first started playing in the NBA and in baseball you get the Bryce Harpers that come flying through there at an early age to to be a uh, you know a rising star in the sport Kobe probably jumped to my mind when you first brought that up and then Ben kind of goes LeBron so I mean you're kind of 1A 1B with those two guys right there I wish I could come up with a different baseball name but kind of drawn a blank on it you guys didn't want to go all the way back and like live tweet Red Grange's debut or something you know (laughs) come on no Tim Tim, what is it with you and like every sporting thing that you want to do is like pre-electricity era I was uh, you literally have to live tweet this Tim Twitter had to be around well, I was expanding the mind. I mean, hey, I'm into history. Is that a crime? Did I commit a crime? Jeez. No, just asking where this comes from. I mean, this is like three segments in a row where we've talked about former athletes, and all of them were uh, were gone before, um, I don't know, your grandpa was even born. <laughs> uh, this, is what I, this is what I feel. I don't know if this is a criteria or what. I just just at least get it to the TV era, Tim. I mean, can you just yeah. at least go to the 30s hey, or we 40s? Are, we are on the radio. I mean, I, I'm just trying to send up. I don't the, know that uh, Red Grange was even playing when they were at radio games yet. Yeah, yeah Marconi <laughs> hadn't gotten around to it yet. Probably not. Um, um, by the way, another, another intriguing one, and the only reason I say this is because, Greg, you and I got a taste of this when we were out um, in Phoenix at uh, Tempe Diablo when there was 50-plus Japanese Otani. reporters yeah. covering Shohei Otani yeah. in the spring training. that And part of the intrigue there was just, the, you know, we were hearing this two-way star, um, you know, and, and it was – we had I, – I couldn't tell you how many Japanese reporters wanted to, to interview me, you know, to talk about Darren <laughs> Erstad and to talk about – I was like, what, what, you don't want to talk – no, like, go there's there are better people here to talk to than Nebraska radio guy, but that's how serious it was. There was a – couple hundred Japanese media there following him around for spring training. Well, and they were all over Darren because Darren wore the same jersey number. Yeah. As, as the Angels, the number 17 that Otani does. Uh, moving on to uh, what happened on Sunday, uh, not not too long ago for you guys. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they, of course, they punched their ticket to the AFC Championship game and with their win over the Browns, that has a lot of Chiefs fans feeling good naturally. However, uh, there might be a little bit of trouble brewing in paradise as CBS cameras caught wide receiver Tyreek Hale apparently shoving an assistant coach on the sideline but uh on Monday Andy Reid said that the incident was overblown and that you know Reid Reid said he Hill was just messing around uh, do you guys buy that explanation or is Reid just trying to downplay a uh, budding controversy no I buy it because you go back they, like 30 seconds later the two guys were laughing like CBS camera stayed on him and so it was his position coach. I think Tyreek was like, man, I was open. you got to tell him to throw me the ball. So I think that was in jest. I think there's really good chemistry on that team right now. Now, that doesn't last forever, but right now I think they're in a really good spot. So now that, that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, Greg Lewis is the name of the coach. He's the wide receivers coach for Kansas City. And, you know, I, I saw the push when it happened. I think I even put a tweet out about it that, that, that you know, that was concerning. But, Tyreek spoke about it today and said, yeah, I was, you know, I had a lot of energy on the sideline. I was just trying to, you know, fire people up. Um, if that was a serious push, there would have been teammates involved 
holding them back, separating the two. They wouldn't have just sat back and watched like it was a Sunday matinee. I mean, if, how many times do you see that when, you know, a coach, two coaches, a coach and a player, two players get involved in something on the sideline, and you've got other guys pulling them back and, and telling them to cool off. I mean, uh, there were guys sitting on the bench right in front of that watching the whole thing happen, and nobody got involved. So I think to me that's all the evidence I needed that it wasn't him being hacked off and going in and just shoving a coach because he was mad at him. Fair enough. All right, so we will hop across the pond for this. We'll actually follow the journey of one racing pigeon from Oregon who was named a wanted fugitive in Australia last week. So Joe the Pigeon escaped from his racetrack on October 29th, and experts are saying Joe the Pigeon made an 8,000-mile journey across the Pacific Ocean to Australia on a cargo ship. But between December 29th and last week, Joe the Pigeon was living happy upside down, but the Australian government found out about him and said he posed a biosecurity risk to their poultry industry and other wildlife. So they are asking the guy whose backyard Joe the Pigeon was frequently spotted in to help him or help them catch him and turn him in so Joe could be uh, put down. So do you guys think Joe the Pigeon deserves the death penalty and what are some unduly (laughs) harsh penalties from across sports? That is strict. It kind of reminds me of Madagascar, right? The animals stowaways <laughs> on a ship, and they wake up, and they're in a different part of the world. So what, what's, the, what's the question for us? First of all, does he deserve the death penalty? No. Come on. Ship him back. Put I don't know how you get him back. home. Well, will he survive that? I mean, but, uh, obviously he on. flew there, but you're putting no, him no, in he a container. Fly. He was on a ship. Oh. He at least had fresh air. Yeah, Ben's yeah. pro yeah. death penalty. Just, it's a merciful thing to I, do in a situation. I'm right? getting my information before I give you a conclusion. I feel like that's the responsible thing to do. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that he could survive the, the trip back. If he could, just send, send him home. Send him home. Second part of the question, then, what are some other unduly harsh penalties in sports that may or may not have been handed down by the Australian The targeting government? penalties. Yeah. Yep. Fix it. And, and roughing the passers, too, and become a yeah. joke. Uh, you know, well, he put his full weight on him when he tackled him and brought him to the ground. Well, that's what happens in tackle football. Sometimes you do <laughs> land on top of the guy you tackle. Yeah. Uh, that That's just kind of – it's just – sometimes I don't recognize the sport when they do that. Targeting, yeah, that's another bad one. Um, they, they, they've issued some ridiculous fines, right, in all pro leagues. Where you're like, really? I think I got, got fined 50K or 25K for that. That seems a little the extreme. Shoes. MLB and yeah, NFL shoes. especially. Yeah, socks. <laughs> not having your socks up high enough or whatever. Or too yeah. high or the wrong color. <laughs> All right, moving on to the NFL news of the day. I'm surprised Austin's been able to keep it together back here. His beloved Philip Rivers, uh, <laughs> Colts legend, announced his retirement today after 17 seasons <laughs> in the NFL. But uh, he does come from that 2004 NFL draft class, which included a really loaded roster of, of interesting players. Uh, you had Eli Manning, Larry Fitzgerald, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, of those guys, you know, who do you think is going to have the best legacy uh, of that cohort of, of legendary, well, maybe maybe not quite legendary, but, but solid NFL talent, Eli Manning, Larry Fitzgerald, and Big Ben? Um, well, I, mean, it's, I think two, it's hard to yeah, – Eli's right? – Eli's got to be probably number one on that list, but I think it's hard to compare Larry to the other guys because he's a receiver. Right. But yeah. Larry, Larry should be close to the Rushmore of of wide receivers. I mean, that dude was an Iron Man. Probably should have won the Heisman at Pitt. 
Um, but just a class individual and, and another dude that just spent his entire career with with one team. That that 4 draft, uh, there was a documentary done on that on the NFL Network just of how that thing all played out with Eli saying he wasn't going to go play in San Diego and uh, there's all kinds of drama about that. And then Roethlisberger sitting around waiting for um, you know his call of, of when he was going to get drafted. So, yeah, it's a strange yeah. draft and I think all those guys will, will be remembered, but I think Eli is probably the top of that for but, me. But Big Ben's got two rings too. They're kind of a wash a little bit. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think I think reputation wise, there, there's still some sour grapes with people with how Big Ben's conducted himself yeah, off the field no with his right. with his trouble. So I'm knocking him down a peg for that. Yeah, uh, still a, a lot of as Ben mentioned, a lot of great players in that draft. He had Sean Taylor, of course. D'Angelo Hall, Stephen Jackson, Jonathan Vilma. I believe Vince, Phil, Vince Wilfork was in there as well. Um, even uh, Matt Schaub, we left him off. Uh, he was also <laughs> in that how draft. How could we forget Matt Schaub? Yeah, how could you? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you a, lot, a lot of good players in that 2004 NFL draft. Vilma now does TV, and he mentions that draft class a lot because he'll talk about, oh, fellow member of that what, that draft class. And so, yeah, he's. I think he's on Fox now. And he does, I think Vilma's done doing games on Fox. All right, so I took you across the Pacific Ocean for one question. We're going across the Atlantic for another question. So last week, a South African couple that was living together split up and probably didn't seem like big news, but this breakup happened the night of South Africa's lottery drawing. And the man who was the dumpy, not the dumper, ended up holding the winning ticket worth about $4 million. He found out that he won about an hour and a half after his girlfriend dumped him. So at least we know this lady wasn't just with him for the money, although he says he is being generous and he'll buy her a new fridge and washing machine to let her know there are no hard feelings. So do you guys have any sports memories that might match this guy's wild ride from depression to exuberation? (laughs) Holy smokes. Jeez. I, I, man, what a man! You guy. talk about He's... the ultimate payback and ultimate karma for that <laughs> lady. Yeah, and man, what a! I mean, he's above the fray by going and buying her some stuff. I would say, heck with you, sweetheart. Yeah, you walked away from me. Bar. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you a gift certificate for B Dubs or something. Go have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so from heartbreak to a to a ecstatic, right? Yeah. What we're trying to go from. Like sports fandom or like wow fandom memories games that featured a crazy comeback stuff like that. Man. Oh my goodness! How do you how do you? I mean, last year I gave up on the Chiefs in their first playoff yeah, I was, game. I was, yeah, when I was going to say Chiefs Texans. By Houston. <laughs> the Chiefs Texans is about as dramatic as you could get. That was that was pretty incredible. And, and, and honestly, the Super Bowl wasn't far behind it. You didn't feel like through three quarters they were going to come back and beat the Niners, and they did. Yeah. So that that's a pretty good ride for for me at least would be those those two Chiefs playoff games last year. I wish I had some more Husker ones, right? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's always the other way. <laughs> like you go from exuberant to getting your heart ripped out ripped of your chest out. and spiked on the ground. Big Twelve title game, oh nine, anyone? No, that, the Oklahoma State Nebraska oh, baseball game. Out. See the one that Oklahoma the one that came City. to mind for me was 2015 Michigan State. They scored that touchdown to go up 31 to 20 two minutes to go in the third quarter. I'm like, okay, that's about it. And then we end up coming yep. back to win that game. No, that was a good one. The 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 09 Texas game is the exact opposite, opposite. right? From high to a low. I, yeah. I don't want to remember. I feel those. like more most of them go to that. The Northwestern yeah. Hail Mary probably up there too mm-hmm. from defeatist yeah. to celebratory rather quick the comeback against iowa too where thor blocked mm-hmm. that shot at the end nebraska was yeah. down pretty big and managed to tie it up and then win in overtime that was pretty yep. high up there for me too 
and all good stuff, and that will put an end to this week's Beyond the Headlines. Hour three, Wednesday night, Sports Sina here on the Oscar Sports Network. Programming note, we will have our monthly sit-down with the athletic director tomorrow night, hour number one of the program. So Bill Moose will be here to take your comments, questions, calls tomorrow night. So get those all fired up and ready for you uh, tomorrow night. Coming up this hour, we'll have buy-sell here, scant seconds away. And then Austin's going to lay out for us some of the early entries from the Big Ten Conference to the NFL Draft in April what rosters got hit harder than others? We'll tell you. We'll dive into that coming up later on in the hour. We'll even have some time for some phone calls. 531-500-4686. That's our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's get it going with Buy Sell. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim Curran Sold. and Austin Orman. That's right. Another week of season two. Everyone plays edition. Uh, we're just in our beginning stages, but... Uh, uh, I think uh, things are looking up, at least for me. Uh, but we'll get into that later. We do have a handful of answers to bring you. Not a whole bunch as we are just getting underway here with Season 2. But starting with uh, my NHL cue, query, if you will, from last week, which I uh, do recall was ragged on by uh, mm. one Ben McLaughlin. I, I missed last week's show. You, you got roughed up on this, huh? Yeah. Actually, this is the this is the one that we actually bought. Never mind. The other one's coming later, so I'll have to hold off on my shot and throw it. But this was the fire sell that at least 30 goals would be scored in tonight's, or rather, what was it, last Wednesday's slate of opening night NHL games. That answer ended up being a buy. There were 37 goals scored. Uh, wow. Ben, you bought it. I bought it. Brett bought it. But Austin sold it. So did you, Greg. Sad. What did Josh do? Josh bought it. Hmm. Okay. So he won so the we lit the lamp. Let the lamp enough. I like it. I don't like it, but I will accept more points. I'd rather be wrong that way. So, all right, we'll go to a Brett Husker women's basketball question next. He asked, buy or sell that at least one player on that team scores at least 20 points in the Huskers' next two games or that a player would record a double-double in one of those two games. The answer was a buy. Kate Kane had a double-double, 22-12 and 12 against Ohio State, nearly a triple-double. She had nine blocks as well. And then Sam Hybe had a double-double with 25 points and 12 rebounds against Minnesota. Like I said, the answer was a buy. Five of us got it right. One of us got it wrong, and he is sitting in the producer one chair tonight. Tim. Look, I Man, hate her. Kate Kane did both by herself. 20, 20 rebound or twenty points and a double double in the I, same I, game. I thought the opposition was going to be tough. It was, but the Husker women basketball team rose above my my pessimism. Uh, so good for them. Tim, you're up. All right, well, Tim, you're up. I was just waiting for any <laughs> any further comment. I thought that you were going to dry the dagger in, but no. Okay, I'll move on to uh, this. Was Greg's question at a Husker women's gym? By herself, the Husker women's gymnastic team would score more than 196 points in their season opener against Illinois. That answer did mm. end up being a sell. They scored 193.4 points. They lost pretty handily to the Fighting Illini. Uh, Greg, you sold it. So did Josh. So did I. And everyone else bought it and got it wrong. Bad, bad start for them. They need to bounce back this week in a big way. 
Bad start, but a good line. I went back and looked over their scores from last year just to see Thank you, how you Austin. got the line. And it was right about 196. So Exactly. Really There's good line. There's some logic to it. Big props to you on I can, I can, I can hear you guys belittling that question when it was asked last week, I'm sure. <laughs> None of us just had any earthling idea what, what a score of 196 was like. Except for, except for moi, who I very suavely and smartly sold it. So Tim, you, you, you were the only one that got a question wrong last time. Let's <laughs> let's take it easy. Well, Tim has a chance to brag this time, unfortunately. He has another NHL question. We asked buy or sell that the Blues score at least four goals and defeat the Avalanche last Wednesday. That was an unfortunate buy. They won four to one. Five of us sold it, and Tim was the only one to bought it. He had faith in his dearly beloved St. Louis Blues, so he gets one back. The March the Stanley Cup Finals uh, is already on. You can didn't they lose it. like eight nothing the next ma- next game? For That's them, not important. <laughs> what was important is that they beat the Avalanche and Ben poo pooed it. I did, uh, and he has egg on his face. You can practically feel it. <laughs> well, we, that that makes two of us. We each have egg on our face. You, you went, you went one and five, and one one what? time it paid off, one time it didn't. Congrats. Hey, that's congrats. That's you that's said, a gutsy question to ask, though. You said this was like the the easiest sell in the history of buy sell history. So I, I just want that for the record. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the sometimes, sometimes I gotta check you, and, and, and you pulled this one out. And, and kudos <laughs> to you for it. I, I'm tipping my cap. All right. I, I, I begrudgingly accept. Uh, well, finishing out this week's answers with uh, Brett's, uh, of course, his soccer cue he's got to get in there, or as he put it, world football. Buyers sell that there would be at least two goals scored in open play, which means uh, no free kicks, set pieces, penalties, all that stuff. Uh, and the Manchester United-Liverpool matchup from uh, last week, I believe it was, that was number one and number two teams in the Premier League, or the Premier League, as they say. The answer was a sell. It was a nil-nil draw. Uh, we all bought it. We all got it wrong, so no one's looking too hot. All six of us bought it. We all bought yeah. it, which was dumb because if you, I even said that they they, they hadn't really been filling it up goals wise. Both teams were kind of only scoring maybe one goal a game, so it, it was a little. I was feeling a little too ambitious. We swung for the stars. We all missed. Too bad. Whoops. Yeah. Which brings us to the totals. We didn't have any NFL questions last week. Really? Not that we could answer. No. Yeah. No. Okay. I think the, we had NFL questions, but they're all coming up, uh, I believe, this weekend. So there we go. Um, well, that brings us to the totals for this week. Uh, Greg and Ben, you guys went 2 of 5, bringing your season overall to 3 of 7. Josh went 3 of 5. He's at wow. 4 of 7. Uh, yeah. Brett also at 4 of 7 after going 2 of 5 this week. Austin just a paltry 1 of 5. He's at 2 of 7, bottom of the barrel. Uh for Austin. And then I went 3 of 5. I'm at 5 of 7 and I, don't look now, I'm in first place for it's season 2. Early. We'll remember early. this. We'll remember where you're at through, what, two weeks of season <laughs> 2? <laughs> yep, I got, I'll, I'll just make sure I ask only hockey questions from here on out. Clearly it's my forte. Yeah. But that brings us to this week's questions. And, Greg, we will let you take things away. All righty. I'm going college basketball, Big Ten basketball to be specific. Buy or sell that the Big Ten gets 10 men's teams into the NCAA tournament. I am going to sell it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think 10 is slightly on the high side. I know that's kind of what they're projecting right now, but I, I don't know. I, I think that I think that's a little north of what I think it's going to be. So, 
I'm selling it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. It's going to be close. I, Greg, you were talking about this earlier, um, is that a lot of these teams are kind of beaten up on each other, and there's going to be a few more losses. And so it's it's undoubtable how good the conference is right now. I mean, they are they are amazing, but 10 is a big ask, so even for the Big Ten Conference. Uh, so I'm going to sell it. Looking at the standings, so shoe-ins, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio State, I think are pretty safely in. Purdue's picked it up recently. I think they get in. Michigan State will get in, and that's not enough to get to 10. Indiana will fall off. Rutgers is in a bad way. Northwestern was a storybook kind of season to start the year. They've really fallen off. Maybe Maryland picks it up, but I don't think so. I think 10's pretty high. It might only be 6 gophers? or 7, maybe 8. You didn't mention the Gophers. Oh, I miss them. Yeah, they're another one, but I still think it's seven or eight, so I'll, I'll sell that one pretty comfortably. All right, very good. Um, all right, we're going to the NBA next. Buy or sell that Isaiah Roby totals at least 55 points and rebounds the rest of Oklahoma City's road trip, which is four games. So you get the points plus the boards for Robes in his next four games. He needs 55 total points plus rebounds. He's averaging about 9-5 and five right now. Uh, his minutes are up because of Al Horford being on the shelf. And the last I heard, I'm not sure that Horford is playing in the next four. If he does, it's definitely going to hurt his minutes. Um, but I like the trend he's on right now. Last night against Denver finished with 10-9, and nine, so I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Well... I think I'm going to have to sell. Sorry, Roby. I, I think that's a lot of productivity to ask for. Uh, I think he's capable of it, but uh, like you said, if, if Horford comes back, that will take it away. Uh, his chances of, of, of scoring that much and playing that many minutes. And also, it's just night in, night out to, to, to score at least 10 points a night. In an NBA game or over that, uh, it, it's quite a big ass. So I'm going to have to unfortunately sell it. It's a small ass. This is Isaiah Roby we're talking about, emphatic by. <laughs> Oh, Austin. All right. Jumping in there. I'm going to make it an even split. I'll sell it. I think he gets close to that, but I don't think he quite gets over that total. There you go. Sitting on the fence. Well, speaking of the NFL playoffs, uh, I've got one for you. It might include Tom Brady. Uh, Buy or sell that TB12 or Tampa Bay or Tampa Tom, whichever you prefer. Uh, And Aaron Rodgers will combine for at least 50 completions on Sunday. And I'm going to buy that. They're going to be airmailing that ball all over the field. There are going to be lots of uh, lots of balls thrown from the gunslingers. And, uh, yeah, a lot of completions as well. Tom, I think I've uh, been averaging, what, like 66%, 67% completion rate. So, uh, yeah, I will, I will buy that. A lot of completions on Sunday. Austin? 50 is a good line. I'll credit you for that, Tim. We're not counting completions to the other team. Uh, no, because Rogers had a couple of those the first time these two teams played. <laughs> it'll be it'll be cold at Lambeau, pro- projecting snow. I I think it'll be just under. I will sell it. Yeah, that's a great line. Uh, but I I think that's the only way these teams are going to be able to move it is to to throw it, and I think they get there. So I'll buy it. All right. Hmm. It's an interesting line. 50 completions. Yeah, I wonder what the I'm wondering what the weather has to do 
with that. Um, I did several minutes of research to set this line, so that's why it's so 28 tight. and snowy in Green Bay on Sunday. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, it probably wasn't going to be sunny in 70. It is Green Bay after all. What was uh, what was the uh, total that he had last week, I wonder? Brady, in terms of completions? Yeah. Uh, it was probably like 24-ish. Let me see. I mean, you're doing background uh, not, research not, not now. Important. Not important. I, yeah. I'll buy it. Why not? There you go. All right. Well, sticking the NFL for my question, asking about my beloved Indianapolis Colts. Do you guys buy or sell that the Colts' next quarterback is currently on the roster for an NFC team and that Jacoby Brissett signs with a new team? I'm going to buy it. I don't think Jacoby comes back and there's a lot of smoke around a couple NFC quarterbacks, so I will buy the parlay. In a, an NFC team, right? Yes. Uh, hmm. So are you saying starting quarterback or just a quarterback on their roster? Uh, the Colts' next quarterback, so I assume that they're going to go get a starter and not play them behind or sit them behind Jacob Eason. So, is so are you, it'll be the, who takes the first snap, right? Pretty much, yeah. But it is an yeah. and question, Greg. So I'm surprised you're even entertaining it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sell it. There you go. I'm selling it too, if only because Jacoby Brissett. Might not even sign with the you new just, team. He might you just, just jumped right over the top of Ben. There. Yeah, bad, thanks, thanks, Tim. I had something uh, to say well, about Jacoby Brissett. Sorry, he got well, fired. You can still say it just when I'm finished with my answer. <laughs> um, Shock. So ja- he's an un- unrestricted free agent, right? He's Jacoby. He's, yes. Yeah, he's cut loose. I don't think there's any way he comes back. Um, hmm. NF. So we're now we're down to 50-50. Do I think a guy from the NFC or AFC slash rookie will take the first snap. Pretty much your choices are Stafford, Wentz, Darnold, or rookie. I don't think they move Darnold. I think I think Wentz could be the guy. So I'll, I'll take the NFC. So I'm, I'm buying. That'd be yep. a buy then. I'm buying. There you have it. All right, I got Josh's college b-ball question. Buy or sell that Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, or Michigan State reached the Elite Eight of the NCAA basketball tournament, and I am going to sell that. Uh, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, um, maybe Michigan State, but all those teams are a little bit on a downtrend, uh, so I don't think that's going to happen this year. I really don't. I'm selling it. Yeah, easy sell for me. Easy, easy. Kentucky's not going to make the tournament. Duke will make the tournament, but they're not good enough to make that deeper run, I don't think. Carolina's a bubble team right now, and Michigan State's, that's not an Elite Eight team, I sell. Sell. Michigan State's the only team that has a chance even, and I don't think they get out of the first weekend. Right. Go from college basketball to pro basketball. A Brett question. You guys buy or sell that De'Aaron Fox shoots higher than 34% from three-point range against the Clippers tonight, or that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for at least 51 points in the game. I'm going to buy thanks to Kawhi and Paul George. I don't think that Kings defense is very good. Yeah, I'll buy. That's one of those or questions. One of those two will hit. I'll buy. Yeah, the uh, the, the Kings defense is m- m- 
they're awful inside. I mean, the, the, the defense inside is just horrible. Um, so is there a minimum? Let me let me see. Is there a minimum on this question that so De'Aaron Fox only? I mean, thirty four percent. He can make then, two of four, right? Yep. Correct. Yep. He doesn't. He hasn't shot very many. Um, he just dumped in. What was a forty three the other night? I'm definitely money, buying yeah. that. I think. I think he's. I think he, either is very possible. So I, I think both could happen. So I'm buying it. And I will sell. I've not thought about it very hard. But I'm just going my gut, and that's the best uh, tool I got in my tool belt. So. All right. Back to me. NFL question. Buy or sell that the Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy gets hired as a head coach this offseason. There aren't many jobs left. Houston is still in the mix. But I don't think it's going to happen. I wish it was, but I think it's going to be a sell. Yeah, the Houston the Houston jobs would would interest me on this. They they requested a, a Zoom call um, interview, which is a little unusual. Obviously, normally they wait till after the season's over. They're definitely sniffing around, and I think there's a fair amount of pressure in Houston to hire him because he might keep Deshaun. Deshaun might want to play for him. The other the interesting thing about the enemy is running backs guy that a lot of a lot of NFL guys if they go offense they want quarterbacks guys his success rate in interviews is not high I'm gonna sell it um, but I know Houston sniffing around if he gets a job that's the one he's gonna get yeah uh, I agree uh, I'm gonna sell uh, for whatever reason I'm not sure why teams aren't biting uh, on a guy like the enemy I thought he would have got hired uh, even at the end of last year but uh, yeah, I, I don't know why he's not going to get hired, but I, I just don't think he will this uh, this cycle. So sell. All yeah. right, here we go. I, I uh, let's see. I, oh, sorry, Austin. I didn't <laughs> oh, it's mean all to right. Skip you Talk there. about skipping over people. Jeez, Ben. <laughs> Takes yeah. one to um, no one. To, it's it's not looking likely, but I think not long ago we had a question about if Herb and Bienemy would get hired as NFL head coaches. Um, I think I bought that both of them would. So for consistency's sake, I suppose I am obligated to buy this one. Yeah, I like the logic there. All right, I'm going back to the NBA again for my next question. And Kemba Walker made his return to the Boston Celtics last game. He's only played 16 minutes here tonight, but he just got put back in in the fourth quarter. We're not going to count tonight's game um, with this question. But I will kind of give you some background on his first two that might help you answer it. Buy or sell that Kemba Walker shoots at least 44% from the floor and scores at least 20 points in a game before the next buy-sell. So 44% from the floor and 20 points in a game before their next buy-sell. I think they play four more games um, before then. Okay, so Kemba tonight, as I said, 17 minutes. He's shooting much better. He's shooting 50% from the floor. He's got 19 points. So if, if this question were to count tonight's game, he would need one more point in the last few minutes, which is probably likely. But in his first game, he was awful. He shot 23% from the floor and had just nine points. So of the two games, he was close to get it this time, and he wasn't close to getting it uh, his first game. But obviously I'm buying it because he's going to shoot 100% and score 50 in his next game. So I'm buying 
Tim? Tim. No, I thought it was, oh, it was Greg's turn. I was <laughs> silently contemplating. Uh, now I'm going to buy it as well. Um, you know, I guess like like Ben, I have a mutual affection for Kemba Walker. I think you he's do? a good player. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Celtics fan, I guess you would say, to the extent I'm a fan of anything NBA-related. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, give me Kemba. I'm buying it. He's going to score all the points. Man, that I, it's the and that's getting me. I could see him getting 20, I guess, but Jason Tatum is probably going to be back. The other games are another one at Philly, Cleveland at home, at Chicago, and then at San Antonio is actually happening exactly a week from today. I'm going to sell it. I, I want to believe, but I, I think I'm going to sell it. Yeah, Jason Tatum is supposed to play this weekend, by the way. Fewer shot opportunities for him. I'm so Team Kemba. Give me a bye. Well, there we have it. All right, I got a Husker wins basketball question to redeem myself after doubting the Huskers last week. By yourself, that Sam Heide scores at least 16 points or records at least six assists against Illinois on Monday. In Champaign, that's a 7 o'clock tip, 6.45 pregame start. I will buy it because, again, I doubted the Huskers last week. Not doing it again. Sam Hybe uh, has come alive. She had a, a really nice effort against um, Minnesota, even though that game kind of went to the dumpster at the end. But uh, I'm going to buy it. I believe in Hybe. I believe in this women's team. She only had a career-high 33 against Illinois last team, last time out. So I think, uh, think she'll get to 16. I'll buy it. I think she could get the assist, too. So if this is an or question, it's an easy buy for me. Take my money. I'm buying. <laughs> there you have it. All right. We will go to Husker men's basketball question here for our last one of the evening. Do you guys buy or sell that the next game played by the Nebraska men's basketball team comes in the month of February? So they're scheduled for a Wednesday – or not Wednesday, January 30th game – against Penn State is the next likely opportunity for the Huskers. Do you think they get that one in, or do they wait till February is essentially what I'm asking. I'm unfortunately thinking it's going to be February, so I will buy. Hmm. I'm with you. I think it's a buy. Buy. Right, I'm going to sell it. I am ever the optimist, as you guys know. I'm always sunshine and roses. They're going to get that Penn State in game in. It's going to happen. You can book it, put it in stone going to happen. They might get it in. It just won't be in January. <laughs> no, fair enough. But I think they're going to get it in January. It's going to happen the 30th. There you go. Tim has the lead this week. He won't next week when we add these all up. But uh, <laughs> it's some great fun. 